Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I have a question for you as we get started in our study this morning. Pastor, what's that? What if God had trouble getting through to you because of today's world is filled up with all kinds of things? Like he's trying to get your attention and he just, I mean, I was thinking about what, what would you do? I started to think about this in my mind. What would you do if God sent you a text message? I mean, first of all, because, right, because we communicate a lot of ways, but what if God, what if he's been trying to communicate, he's been trying to get your heart, he's been trying to work through some things in your life, and he's like, man, they're just not, they're just not paying attention, they didn't listen to what I've said, and so I'll just think, what if he sent you, what if he sent you a text message, you're like, man, that's crazy. Well, let me back up for just a moment, okay? Because when God wants to communicate to us, we've got to look at the way we've learned to communicate. You know, what do you mean? When it comes to communication, we've seen throughout the years just drastic changes in the way we communicate. Wouldn't you agree? You're like, absolutely. For example, beginning from the beginning of history, really till the, main, the, the middle of the 1800s, guys, most communication were letters. Do you remember that, Joe? Some of them were flags and others were smoke signals. You know, I mean, that's how we communicated. And I'm not looking at all that way. I'm just saying, I'm just, that this is in my notes, but... Uh, then, then we had the invention of the telegraph, right, by Samuel Morse in, in 1837, and that changed everything. From his simple idea, you know, an electric pulse, beep, 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 right, our world had just shrunk. It became smaller and smaller and more interconnected. Now, you fast forward, I mean, I mean, fast forward 140 years, I mean, then now you have the telephone, right? The telephone, that was a vast improvement. I remember that. And we talked a little bit about that on Wednesday night, the telephone, right? Now, anyone under 40 would not remember this. I mean, we talked about it, but we really wouldn't understand how we used to have a phone and it had no caller ID. You remember that? It had no caller ID. It was just a phone. And when it rang, everybody got excited. Who's calling? We were so excited. We didn't care who it was. Now, back in that day, I don't remember a whole lot of telemarketers. I mean, it was usually somebody who wanted to talk to you, right? And so I remember that, and I remember it was attached to a wall. And, and here's the funny thing. You know, some of you remember the push button, right? Beep, 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 beep. This was a rotary. You remember the rotary? That was crazy. Why? Because if you ever tried to win anything on the radio, right, you could never get through because it took you 10 minutes just to call the radio station. Of course, you never want anything back then, but you used to call. Help me out now. You used to call and request a song, right? Hey, can you play so and so from so and so? And and but but you you look at the kids today. Alicia doesn't even know a rotary phone. She'd look at it and be like, "What is this? What does it do?" Now she might have seen it, but but it's just different. It's just different. Kids these days, man, they just don't even know how that works. They don't know how it works. I saw a video this week of an eight-year-old kid. He was actually given a walkie-talkie. You guys know what a walkie-talkie is? Remember, those are so cool. Right, hey, you know, we talk. He looked at it, and he goes, what am I do with this? And that says, we can talk to each other. He says, why can't I just call you? He goes, well, this is fun. He goes, can I text from it? He's like, no, it's a walkie-talkie. He goes, oh, I don't want this. That's, we've gone so far from that. Now, back in my day, I've always wanted to say that. Back in my day, long-distance calls were huge, right? That was a big deal. 
you would answer the phone and the person calling you would immediately identify themselves and says, I'm calling long distance, right? Because you knew, boy, it was not going to be cheap. So you ran to the person that was, yeah, look, Rosa's like, she knows. And you go to the person and you go, hey, yeah, it's, it's long distance, hurry. And I mean, back in that day, I mean, it was usually 5 or $10 for a long distance phone call. And if you called collect, anybody remember what collect was, right? You'd call up and you say, I'd like to make a collect call. And then the person you called had to say yes. And we got around that, remember? While the operator was on that, you'd be trying to say, I'm fine, everything's good, bye, click. And then they'd say no, and you would, you'd have to pay the collect calls. But you go, Pastor, what are you doing? Well, today, guys, we have cell phones, really mini computers, with no long-distance charges anywhere in the country. You have voicemail, you have email, you have instant messages, and of course, we all live with text messages. Text messages, that's really a primary way of how we communicate which is very interesting because you can't tell emotion from a text message. You can't tell the heart of somebody. You just send a text and you're like, what does this mean? I'm not sure what, it, what, was, the, what was the heart behind this. And, 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 and that's how we communicate. Now, what if God was trying to get our attention and the only way he could do it was send us a text message? You go, what do you mean? Well, think about this. Here's the reason I wrote this down. We really don't like to answer phone calls, do we? We really don't answer the phone unless we know who's calling us and we were expecting their calls. Let's be honest, right? Have you ever, let me just say this, okay? You don't have to answer, but have you ever called somebody hoping just to leave a voice message? Have you ever done that? Right? You're going to call and you go, man. And then they answer. And you don't know what to do because you were looking to live, you're looking for a voice message. You're like, okay, just, I'm just going to leave a quick message. I'll be out of here. They're like, hello. And you're like, uh, uh, hi. Hey, what's up? Uh, I don't know what to say because I was going to just leave a message. I was just going to leave a message because I missed them. And, and so we do that, right? Because we're just, guys, in our text today, let me just, let me point out Captain Obvious. God's not sending the disciples a text message. But I really believe he's trying to get their attention. See, throughout his whole ministry, and then at the very end, he says, guys, when I resurrect, I want to meet you in Galilee. I'm going to give you further instructions. When I'm when, in my risen body, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Matthew actually talks about that. He says, he talks that the 11 are going to meet him in a mountain. They're in Galilee. Mark just says, hey, we're going to meet him. And then, of course... Um, based on our text, Jesus is going to give them further instructions on becoming, guess what? Fishers of men. But Pete, don't you got to love Pete? Pete and the gang decide to go fishing for fish. That's what we see today. Now, as you think about this, as you think God's going, okay, I'm going to give you more instructions to become fishers of men, to go out, to share the gospel, man, to take this world by storm, if you will. And Pete goes, Ah, what's going on? I think God's trying to get their attention. Now, we have to back up just a little bit, okay? We have to back up, right? Because remember what we talked about. Jesus had died on the cross. You go, Ben, you have said that. I will always say that. That's the gospel. Jesus died on the cross. He was taken down. He was put in a garden tomb. The tomb was not his, but it belonged to a man named Joseph of Arimathea. This is so cool. Cool story. Wednesday night, me and Mel are talking and somebody asked him, somebody at his work was like, you know, and then those people who took Jesus down from the cross, and Mel goes, Joseph of Arimathea. And the guy's like, what? How do you know that? 
because I studied the Bible. And so Joseph was so cool. I was just like, I was so proud. I was like, yes. And he says, and again, so Joseph, this is in, Joseph takes him down and he puts him in the tomb. And the Bible says the place they took Jesus was in the garden tomb, which no one had been laid. And could you imagine that for just a moment? Can you imagine Joseph going home and explaining to his wife that somebody not in his family was going to be buried in his spot? Imagine how that conversation, right? So Joseph goes home and he says, honey, I'm home. It's been a crazy day in Jerusalem. Do you remember that Jesus of Nazareth, right? And you could see his wife going like this. Yes, right? Because his his. Whenever, whenever us men have something to say, our octaves go a little bit higher, don't they? Honey, hi. How's it going? And, and she's like, yes. Well, they crucified him. Really? Yeah, honey, the place was nuts. People were everywhere. And then he looks at and he goes, sweetie, I've got, some, I've got some good news and some bad news. To which she says, okay, give me the bad news first. He says, well, he says, Jesus of Nazareth? Yes, he's buried in our tomb. I gave him my spot. Excuse me, she might say. You did what? She shrugs her head and begins to give that look of disbelief. I cannot believe you would allow another person who is, who is not family to stay in our tomb. I don't want to be buried to someone I don't know. I can't believe you did it, right? You didn't discuss this with me. I'm so angry with you right now. How could you do this? Well, so far, for a moment, she might calm down, and she remembers something, and she turns to Joseph, and she asks, well, you said something about good news. And Joseph looks at her, and he says, here's the good news. Jesus told me he would only need it for a few days, right? And that's exactly what happened. Jesus only needed it for a few days, and you guys remember the story. John's gospel gives us an even deeper account. Mary comes to the tomb early in the morning, and she finds the stone rolled away. She runs back to Simon Peter. You guys know the story. They come running to the empty tomb. Here's the bottom line. Jesus is alive. Can I get an amen? But he's not ascended to the Father yet, okay? And we learned two weeks ago that that the disciples even doubted. And that kind of blew my mind. We know Thomas did because he goes out through eternity as known as Doubting Thomas, but it says that the disciples, and this blows my mind because... Even when people still saw him, they doubted. See, Thomas, when he saw that, when, when he was, you know, with Jesus, he believed. How do you know? Because he looked at me and said, my Lord and my God, he believed. But there were some that still doubted. As a matter of fact, guys, you can just take note. Think about this. Matthew says in Matthew 28, 16 and 17, notice Matthew's account, Okay. Matthew 28, 16 and 17 says, Then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So Jesus says, Hey guys, we're going, meet me at the mountain. We've got some, we've got some stuff to take care of. Okay? Matthew says this, and in verse 17 it says, And when they saw him, check this out, they worshipped him. And then Matthew writes this, But some doubted. Doesn't that, don't that, didn't that shake your head? You're just like, What? 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 Now, here's what I love about this text. Here's what I love, guys, and here's what we got to love about the Word of God. You go, what's that? I love that both reactions are honest ones. Pastor, what do you mean? Man, some people, some of the disciples, they saw him and they worshiped him. My Jesus, my God and my Lord, and they worshiped him, right? The resurrection of Jesus brings true and honest worship. That's what the Word of God says. 
You might be here going, if Jesus is alive, what should I do now? Worship him. Worship him. But it also says here, guys, that it says, but some doubted. Some doubted. They weren't sure. They just had some doubts. And what I love about this is it's an honest reaction because we have all have or have doubts. We have. And what we do in our society is we look at somebody and go, what? You're a Christian. You shouldn't doubt. Oh, come on. You should be. And we start laying out rules and regulations of how other people should live. And we don't realize that that's just an honest reaction. Specifically in our area, I remember a story when a fella came in the church. We sat right there. He says, Pastor, can I talk to you? And it always scares me. So somebody says, can we talk to you, right? And so we're over here in the sanctuary and I'm sitting down. And he looked at me and he said, hey, um, I really don't believe in prayer. I really, I'm not sure about the whole thing. And I looked at him and I said, thank you so much. He's like, for what? I said, just being honest. Our hearts are not honest because we don't want people to think back. I mean, who would, I, I don't believe in prayer. Really? What is wrong with you? You live in the Bible. Belt. What is it? And, 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 and I love honesty because he could deal, he could work. Once we're honest, God could begin to work. And with these people, guys, in their, doubt, in their doubts of who God is and what he wants to do in your life, there are times when we just doubt. God, I don't know. And God says, okay, at least we can work from this point on. And he begins to move in your hearts. He's going to do this. Some of these people doubted. And I'm like, wow. Wow. And here's my point. You ready? Jot this down. God loves worshipers and he loves doubters. You get it? God loves worshipers and some he loves the doubters. You go, well, what's the point, pastor? Bring all that you have and all that you are to him. If you have doubts, if you're a skeptic, if you're, if you're running on empty, if, you, if you're scared, God says, just bring it all to me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. How many of us throughout the week feel like we're, on, we're burdened with things that we should just really give to God? We do. We do. And here's what I found in my life. I think this is a great quote, guys. As I begin to worship, my doubts disappear. And when my doubts disappear, worship fills its place. Let me say that again. As I begin to worship. Now, I got to stop there. Because if I'm being honest with you, some of my worship looks really anemic. I'm really struggling with something, and it's like, Lord, I've come to the... And in my mind, I'm not worshiping. I'm thinking, how am I going to fix this? Or is this going to fix... Lord, I'm just feeling really bummed right now. And all this is going through my mind. Just me? You know what I'm talking about? But when I really worship, when I really get into his throne room, i got to be honest with you, those doubts begin to fade. Those doubts begin, I mean, it just starts to fade, guys. And then when my doubts begin to disappear, what fails it? More worship. More worship. More worship. I know what to do. A lot of the times, I don't do it. I know what to do. Worship the Lord. Pastor, you're at the church all day long. I know. I could come in here and I could put the music full blast and I could worship for eight hours. I know what to do. There are times I don't do it. Oh, what does Paul say? Oh, wretched man that I am. Because there are doubts in my life. 
Here's the exhortation. Let's worship. Let's worship. Some worship, some doubted. Either way, God's in control. Amen. So as we come to chapter 21, in the next few verses, we discover that Jesus is about to get their attention once again. Now, before we jump into their text, remember what Jesus told him. Meet me in Galilee. Meet me in Galilee. Let's go. We've got stuff to do. I'm going to be risen. And he's even, he's even met them that Sunday, right? He even met them in, he met them right where they were at, where they're hiding out. He says, okay, let's go to Galilee. So that's what, that's, that's what should be happening. Now, if you're taking note, Verses 1 and 2 just summarizes what 3 and 25 are going to talk about all the way through. So he gives us verse 1 and 2, and then we go back. You ready? Chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Your attention, please. The first thing it tells us is after these things. Everything we've talked about, the resurrection, we're not going to go back for the sake of time. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples. Where did he show them? In the Sea of Tiberias. Everybody say Tiberias. I'll say it again. Why is that important? Because for many years I taught the Sea of Tiberias is the same as the Sea of Galilee. And my, it wasn't until Nathalie got over to Israel, she goes, oh, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, I've been saying this. So I want to make sure you get it before you go to Israel. So you walk in, you go, oh, yeah, that's the Sea of Tiberias. Yeah. So where, where's the Sea of Tiberias is the same as the Sea of? You guys are awesome. 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 Don't tell her I said that, okay? She's in children's ministry. The Bible says there's only seven disciples. Where's the rest? Where's the rest? See, Matthew 28, 16 says he, he met with the 11, but John only speaks of seven. seven. Who did he speak of? We go Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, James and John, and two others. It doesn't mention who they are, but we know there's seven right now. Now, he goes back. John says this is how it goes down. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter said to the gang, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, quote, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, notice what he says, children, children, do you have any food? And they answered, this is my, my interpretation, okay? No. I don't think it was like, no. It was like, no. You know how, right? Yeah, you, you have any food? No. No. I go to Joe sometimes, say, Joe, you got any money? And he says, no, that's it. That's it. But let's chat for just a moment, guys. This is an important verse. You go, why? There are a couple of things that stand out as we walked for Jesus for some time, Okay. I'm going to give you two schools of thought, two schools, and you can decide where, where you fit in this, okay? I'm going to give you Warren Wearsby's two schools of thought. He says this, quote, The Lord had, had instructed disciples to meet with him where? In Galilee, right? Which helps explain why the seven were at the Sea of Galilee, or the Sea of Tiberias. But John, he does not explain why Peter decided to go fishing. He doesn't say. All it says is, Peter says, Hey, Stephen, let's go fishing. 
I'm going, okay. And we go. That's all it says. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, let me give you the two schools of thought, okay? First school of thought is, it says that Bible students, again, disagree. He says the first school is some claim that he was perfectly within his rights to go fishing. That he needed to pay his bills. The best way was to get money. And so why sit around idle and wait for Jesus? Let's get busy. Let's go fishing. That's how he made a living. Okay? That's first school of thought. Others believe, this is the second school, that Peter had been called from that kind of life and that it was wrong for him to return. Furthermore, when he went fishing, Peter took six other men with him. So if he was wrong, they were wrong too. And And then Warren Wearsby says this, it's a sad thing when a believer leads others astray. So you have this school going, hey, he should go. Hey, he needs to make money. And then this group says, no, you know what? He had, he had, he's been called to a fisher of men not to go back to fishing. I've heard one pastor, now again, my, it's my opinion. I'm on this side of the pulpit. Everybody got this? My, just my opinion. One of the pastors taught it like Peter was backsliding. It doesn't say he was backsliding, but he had moved away from what God had called him to do. I can't say that, but it's just I'm giving you an opinion of what people say about this text. All we can do is what it says about the text. Both, both are valid points, wouldn't you agree? But nonetheless, we must focus on the text because the text introduces us to Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. And if you go to Israel today, and I don't think we got a chance to go, but there was the actual place where Jesus cooked the fish right there. We can walk down there. Big rocks there, beautiful place. This last time, I don't know why we didn't get to go, but, but normally we do. Pete gotta love Pete. He says, I'm going fishing. In my mind, for some reason, I don't know if Peter's frustrated. Why would you say that? I think Peter's frustrated, guys, because he denied the Lord. And so he's like, well, I guess that's over. Okay, we we gave him three years. Amen. I'm going to go back. I mean, I don't know. It could just be like, hey, I'm going fishing. Anybody want to? Who's in, right? And, And I don't know, but I know the gang says, well, we're going with you. And here's what the Bible says. It says they get in the boat and they catch nothing. Nothing. Now, can let's just say this. For the sake of our study, let's just say that we agree with school number two. Let's just say we agree, Peter, you should be a fisher of man. God has a big plan. Now, the reason we do that is because we've read the end of the story. We know what happens to Pete. Pete's going to be an amazing evangelist. Amen? So, for the sake of our study, let's just say, let's just say, okay? Pete, you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong right now. And probably, Pete, when Jesus asked them for food or why haven't you caught any fish, their answer is a resounding, no, we have not caught anything. You go, well, Ben, 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 stop. Why would you, why would you want to be in this school? Okay, let me, give you, let me just kind of give you a little bit, okay? Most people believe this school, the second school of thought, because based on Luke chapter 5, verse 11, you go, okay, give it to me. Here's what Luke chapter 5, verse 11 says. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Okay? That's the big key. It said when they had come in, they forsook the lifestyle. Okay? And they followed Jesus. So most people go, you know what the word forsook means? They're not going to go back to doing that. They're done. They're following Jesus. And so that's exactly what he's talking about, right? It's exactly what they're talking about. So go, okay, okay, let's, let's just run with that. Let's just go. But here's what I would say to you, church. You have to make up your own mind. 
But what we read is they didn't catch nothing. Now, these are professional fishermen, and they normally fished at night. Okay, at night, the fish would come up a little bit higher. They'd throw their nets in, and they would toil all night, and they would... And here's the thing. He says, hey, you've been fishing all night? Yeah. Catch anything? No. Okay. Right? They didn't know it was Jesus. They figured, right, don't we do that? Any fishermen? Any fishermen? Right? What do we do? We go by and catch anything? Right? And what we're really trying to do is trying to figure out what bait they got. So we might be, you know, catching anything. Oh, yeah, I've got five. What are you using? Yeah, I'm going to go back and buy some of that because I want to catch some. Or other times we go, coach, and we go, catch anything? Yeah, I've caught five. What are you? You didn't got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. See? You're not professional. But nonetheless, it's Jesus. And he said to them, check this out. This blows my mind. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. What? Hey, catch anything? No. Throw the net on the other side. You'll catch. Are you a professional fisherman? And and, and then notice, notice. Here's what they do. Listen. So they did. And now they were, notice, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Do you understand the magnitude of this verse? They have been, these are professional fishermen who have been toiling all night, no fish to speak of. Jesus tells them from the shore, hey, cast your net on the other side and you'll have a catch. Now, this is crazy. Why? Because it's like this. It's like this. Okay, Adam, it's you because you're in the front row. Adam is a professional, um, he's a professional salesman, and Adam owns, he really doesn't, but for the sake of our story, he owns an appliance store, and Adam says, Ben, I'm having a huge sale. Everything in my store, refrigerators, washers, and dryers, I'm having a huge sale. I've been advertising for months. It's going to be great. Saturday, you need to come. We're going to have a blowout sale. And so Adam goes in there, and he puts all red tags on everything. Red tag, red tag, red tag, red tag, everything. And I, and I walk in. I go, Adam, how's it going? You go, Ben, nobody's here. I've been open for four hours. Nobody's here. We haven't sold a single appliance. I don't know what's going on. It's like me telling him, Adam, change all of the red tags and make them blue, and you'll sell everything. <laughs> Adam's going to go, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, dude, seriously. But that's what it's like. And it's like Adam going, okay. And he changes all the red tags to blue tags and in a matter of hours sells every single appliance. Do you guys get that? That's what it's like. You fished all night, put it on the other side. Okay. You know, first of all, it's morning. You don't fish in the morning. Why? Because as the sun comes up, the fish get deeper. Not with Jesus. Not with Jesus. Wow. His disciples did it. I don't know about you. This is just me. I want to live the kind of life that's crazy. If Jesus says something crazy, I'm in. I don't do that. I take it apart. I dissect it. How is this going to work? What is, well, no, I know it's a little crazy, but you want me to do this, 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 this. I would be crazy. Like when he said, go plant the church in Lubbock. All right, let's go. I wish I said that. I was like, really, Lubbock? Are you sure? Okay, I'll try. Lord, I'm not my faith. I'm too old. God, please. You know? But, but when it's crazy. Oh. Anybody with me? 
If he says, if he says to your life, throw, throw the net on the other side, you're like, amen. Because you know him so well that it's not crazy anymore. I want to live that life. I want to live that life. And I so long for it. Sometimes we get so caught up, guys, in, in our, just our little, our little area and we forget. But, but it's just crazy. Throw it, throw it, throw it. So they cast down. Guess what? They have, boom, they have more fish than they can imagine. They can't even get it into the boat. They can't even get into the boat. It says, verse 7, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, who's that? John, said to Peter, It's the Lord! Now Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, and he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. Now this always blew my mind. Why? Because when you normally go fishing, swimming, you don't put on clothes. You take off clothes, but see, he had worked all night, and he probably had just this one-piece tunic that if it got wet, it would be expose a lot of stuff, and he was being gracious, and so he put on his outer coat to go see the Lord, and he jumps in, and he swims. The Bible's going to say he's about 100 yards, guys, so keep that in mind. They're about 100 yards, so they're not that far from shore, obviously enough to go, hey, right? He plunged into the sea, but the other disciples came in. The little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. But as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Do you guys get that? I want you to picture the scene, because I know exactly where it is. Peter jumps in. John says, it's the Lord. Peter jumps in. These guys start rowing. And as soon as they get to the shore, guess what they see? They, get, they see a fire of coals, and they see fish already. Where did Jesus get the fish and the bread? Isn't that amazing? He already has breakfast. But see, right here, my heart goes out to Peter. Peter's, Peter's swimming. Lord, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. What do you think he's thinking with every stroke? I just, I denied him. Oh, my goodness, what is he going to say? and he gets there, and what does he see? He sees a fire coals, and you go, well, why does your heart go out to him? Because as he rolls up, guys, to the place where Jesus was, the very first thing he sees is a fire of coals. You go, yeah, and? Do you guys remember when he denied him? Is in John 18 and 18, it says, now there stood, now the, now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. I was like, wow. Aren't there certain things in our lives that just jog memories, right? And I bet that brought up a bunch of memories. Ones that he wanted to forget. Ones of betrayal. He's going and he's seeing coals. He's like, oh. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says in verse 10, he says, but Jesus said, hey, bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And all there, there were so many, the net was not broken. The net was not broken. And here's what I want you to see, guys. I want you to see the heart of my Jesus right here for you. Don't you just love that? Why? I know we would all expect Jesus to reprimand us. And the last week, we would be, I've denied him three times. 
Oh my goodness, I've been such a mess up. I don't even know how God could love me. I just know he's going to tell me something. I know the moment I get to shore, he's going to say, Pete, come here, bro. Pete, really? You over here saying, I died for you, Jesus, and, three, and, and you denied me three times. Pete, we walked together. Pete, do you remember the wonderful conversations? I can't believe you. What am I going to do? Pete, you're such a disappointment. Pete, that's what we expect of us, wouldn't we? And I love that Jesus says, hey, let's have some breakfast. That's all the Lord says. Let's have some breakfast. Come, bring some fish. Man, have some breakfast. Listen, listen to me. We've all messed up like Peter. Even this week, even this morning, we mess up with our attitudes. We mess up with the things we say. We mess up with the things we fail to say. We all mess up. Can I get an amen? But here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus, he says, I'm not here to convict you of your mess-ups. That's why I died. I know that. Let's have some breakfast. Let's have some breakfast. You've heard me say this a thousand times, guys, but the devil wants you to live always in your past, what you did and what you didn't do. And Jesus never brings that up. He says, let's have breakfast. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the future. Why? 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 Why, church? Why? Because we can't go back and fix stuff. We can't. What's done is done. So deal with it. Confess it. And now what does God have for you tomorrow? And I love that he does it over breakfast. Why? Because there's a special connection when you have a meal with somebody. There's that koinonia. There's that, oh. He's going, to have, he's going to have just great, 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 great time. And Jesus says in verse 12, he looks at the gang, he says, come, have, come eat some breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Why? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. It says here, now this was the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Think about it, guys. Think about it. Jesus says, hey, let's, let's have some breakfast. And then he takes the bread and he, what does he do? He serves them. He serves them. I keep saying this, guys, and maybe it's for me, and you guys can listen if you want to. But the devil does a very good job of making us think that God is mad at us. He does a great job that, he, that God is disappointed in us and that he's mad at us and that we can never do anything right. And how could we even be called his children when we do this, 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 and this? And right here I see in Scripture, God's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. And he says, let's just have some breakfast. And what he does to Simon Peter next week is unbelievable. He restores him three times. He says, I'm not... Listen, and he never brings up the past. He doesn't go, hey, Simon, do you love me? Because 
I remember in the courtyard, I was looking right at you, and you said you didn't know me. Do you remember that, Pete? Do you remember? He doesn't do that, guys. Our God is loving, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. One last reason, and we'll get to it next week, but one last reason, guys, that I think that Pete may have been in the wrong in going fishing is because Jesus looks at the fellas and he says, do you love me more than these? And, and the key of these is, do you love me more than fish? But most people believe he's pointing to the boat, and the occupation. Do you love me more than these? Because I called you to be fishers of men. I've called you to be fishers of men. What's the application for us? Listen, God has called us to work. But our, we should never love our job more than we love Jesus. He's not calling everybody into full-time ministry, but he is saying, do you love me more than these? Now, let's close. Let's close our study, guys. One of the things we must remember is that God has also called us to do what? To be fishers of men. In our training yesterday, Joe told us, what was the statistic? That, that most kids get saved under 14? That, that, that's the statistic. So, so Olivia here is a fisher of men. As she teaches the Bible, Alicia, all, all of those, all of us, right? Whether it's little ones or at your job or family, this is what God has called us to do. That's what he's called us to do. I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm random today, but I was driving to church this morning and I was thinking, without God, what is our purpose? I mean, what is your purpose without God? Is it to live 80 years and and kind of maybe chalk off a half a good life or, you know? 1% has all the money in the world and the rest of us, we just live day to day and we try to make ends meet. But without God, what's our purpose? I don't have any purpose. I'm going, this is it? This is it? There's got to be a greater purpose. And then the Lord said, that's exactly it. You are here for a greater purpose. Don't you understand? It's not just to get married, have kids, raise your kids, get old. That's, that's, that's a blessing, but you are for a greater purpose. God has a huge purpose for you. And what I love is that he's going to work within your giftings of who you are, your personality, and he's going to take the world by storm through you. That's what he wants to do. We're the only ones that are stopping him. Oh, I'm scared, Lord. I don't know. Please be crazy. Be crazy. Jump out. Say, let's go, Lord. Let's, let's fish on the other side. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I know social media is, I, I get the negatives of social media, but what I love as a pastor, I love that when I get to see some of your posts and that you're, you're ministering in ways that I can't, that I can't, but as an extension, oh my gosh. The Apostle John says, man, I have no greater joy than to see my children follow Jesus, obey Jesus, love Jesus. And I see that. In some small way, I'm like, yes, we're all in it together. We're all in it together. Can I just say this to you today? 
I want to be a church that often reminds you that Jesus is coming back for us soon. The signs are there. The signs are there. And sometimes, church, we get so busy, we forget we're on a mission. The best way you can think about this is that y'all are missionaries and you're on a mission trip on earth and you've got to fulfill your mission. What's my mission, Pastor? Listen, it's to come in here to get equipped and then to take it to the world. How do I do that? Some of you are mommies in here. You're taking it to the world by raising your kids. Amen. Amen. Some of you, God's going to call into the pastorate. Take it to the world. Some of you, whoever you meet, they just know you're infectious and, and you're courageous. And I think of Coach over here. Coach, man, just a brand new opportunity with young men. It's amazing. He's going to take it to the world. Tell everyone, guys, tell everyone how Jesus has changed your life. Amen? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your getting, us our, getting our attention. And Lord, I don't know what I would do if my phone rang and it was a text message from you and you're like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Hey, what's, what's the mission that you're on? But I thank you that I, I have a giant text message called the Bible and that you speak to us through your spirit. So thank you, Lord, for your word and the truth in your word. We look so forward for what you have for us next week. We're excited about Wednesday. We're excited about what you have. So bless our time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.